Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. Okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Welcome to the Dark Zone Adventure Racing Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatins. I am joined today by the race director of Expedition Ozark. I have Danny Collins and Jason Bettis. They are putting on the first version of Ozark happening in Bentonville, Arkansas this coming April. They're kind enough to come on the Dark Zone. So Danny, before we talk about the race, before we talk about anything about the terrain or the not-so-scary caves, who are you? What's your experience? What brings you to adventure racing? Yeah, well, I appreciate it so much having us on the show and talking about the race. Just incredibly excited to join this amazing family. Yeah, my background's um, I grew up here in the Ozarks. Um, I ended up after school moving out to New York City and so kind of living in the land of concrete needed to get out. Got into the marathon running, led to the Ironman types of situations and then kind of found adventure guiding in a lot of ways um, to kind of be that, that kind of just fill my itch in a lot of ways. Um, and so got a chance to lead a lot of, um, cool day trips in the, in the Northeast, and then got a chance to start to kind of get into the world of, uh, mountaineering, um, through adventure guiding. I led some trips to Kilimanjaro and, uh, some of the different places in the Andes. And long story short, that actually led me to, um, made a pretty big career change and took a job with National Geographic and was the expedition manager at one of their unique lodges of the world down in, in South America. And ran this lodge for a little bit. And then about four years ago, I moved back to the Ozarks, moved back home um, for family reasons. My father became very ill. Um, and so we moved back to be with him through that. And that's when I reconnected with with Jason after quite some time. And um, I had been doing some adventure racing here and there for about, about, what, 12 years now ago, I think was my first race with Jason. Um, but it had, it had elapsed, but the past four or five years since I've been back, we've been kind of pushing it pretty hard together. And so my, my introduction to adventure racing specifically is completely through Jason. And so it's, it's really fun to get to kind of shift out of just, um, racing with him and actually start to kind of think about the logistics from, uh, from race directing with him. Yeah. And to that point, Jason will come to you in a second. There are so many adventure racers who during a race are fascinated by the creation of the race and then in turn create their own races, right? That's a very often a common path to becoming a race director. So so thank you. And, and Danny, thank you very much. So Jason, welcome to the Dark Zone. Glad you're here. Walk us through your experience. Thank you, Brian. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Um, my experience getting into adventure racing started when I was um, at a boot camp class. Um, fitness class. Um, somebody mentioned a race coming up and had heard me say something about using a topographical map in the area that I was hiking. Um, and uh, she asked if she, I would join and be their navigator. And so that was my introduction to it. It was a six hour race. It was based here in the Springfield, Missouri area. Um, and I, I was addic addicted from, from day one. Um, I've been adventure racing for the past 16 years. Um, we have um, done a lot of races here in the United States. I've raced with Kuat uh, for the past 10, 11 years um, and just have met a lot of great people. Um, had a lot of fun. Um, we've seen a lot of beautiful places. So I'm very excited to uh, be on the expedition. Those our team for sure. Having done all the event racing over the years, Kuat, strong team, having the 16 years of experience, making the transition into being a race director is always a jump, right? Racer to director putting the race together, getting it organized. What have you really found to be the, the challenges that have come across there? What have you found to be the things that you want to tackle as a race director? You know, what I really love is being um, on course in the woods. Um, I navigate um, for our team. And so being out in the woods and getting from point A to point B and, and learning all of the 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 lay of the land what the land has in store you know it, it'll look a certain way on a topographical map um, but when you encounter it it's it's totally um, unique in its own perspective so um that is one thing that i that i bring um 
And, you know, having done races for quite some time, I've always considered um, directing races and putting things together. There's been a lot of things that I really, really liked and some things that I'm like, yeah, OK, that was OK. But, you know, so going into this race, that's the main objective is to put things together that I think are going to flow well, um, that will challenge um, and that will um, allow everybody to to see the beauty of the Ozarks and um have have a challenging event. Well, that's a great thing, right? Because as a, as a racer, you say to yourself, if I have a directed race, we're going to do it this way. And now this is the mm-hmm. this way part of it. So, right. so, so Danny, what have you found in terms of transitioning from being a mountain guide and working in other countries and, and all that in terms of being race directing? How is that going for you? Like, how do you find, are you comfortable with the, the course setting? I know you said that Jason's doing a lot of that, knowing the terrain. What skill do you think you're really bringing to the directing role right now? Yeah, I mean, I think initially my my role was that big picture design of just understanding that that again, kind of Jason used the right terminology that I I, I would kind of you know second is that flow and just that big picture flow, the connection of these different spaces that we have, um, you know, in connection by different activities, which is 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 adventure racing. That's the core of it is that you don't want to feel like you're just connecting a space. Um, kind of in a lazy manner. Right. And so that's, that's a big part of my initial and now my job um, and what I'm really focused on is those what ifs and then just that logistics, you know, I mean, there's, that's probably the majority of race directing in in so many ways it's, yeah, you know where you want to place the checkpoints, but it's uh, just planning for all the plan B's and plan C's and let's be honest, D's, E's and F's. And then also just really talking about um, just, thinking about the logistics and the flow of the equipment and we're going to have a we we're, there's no doubt we're going to have a fast race here and so that's one of the biggest issues for um that we're kind of struggling through and fighting through is is just that the the estimated estimations of time for us to do things behind the scenes while the race is actually going on if that makes sense so so speaking logistically it's it's a five-day race correct yes so 120 hours 120 hour race right so you have to 120 hours of time and it's in the the race site the, the the headquarters is out of Bentonville Arkansas correct yes that's correct okay. and so for the for folks who are listening to this from all over the world talk a bit about Bentonville talk a bit about the terrain the location and and I will share Bentonville has really grown into quite the adventure destination over the last several years there's been a, an incredible move towards the outdoors there and I and I think there's a a natural uh, connection the the growth of Expedition Ozark in in the shadow of Bentonville and in and around makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, you're right. And, and Bentonville is a, um, it's a special place and growing up here in the Midwest, it is such a very different place than, than it was even, you know, especially 20 years ago, but even 10 years ago, um, the investment in, um, outdoor recreation and, and kind of preservation of these spaces and the trails for be able to go explore them is just it's unheard of. I think it's unlike anywhere else really in the world in a lot of ways. Because of the combination of different disciplines that are available between the trekking, the mountain biking and the water, is that what makes it such a unique area? Yeah, it it is. I mean, you know, our cities and our, our kind of these bigger communities such as Bentonville are just stacked with trails, um, you know, hardscape and tons of softscape. But then as soon as you get out, you, you hit some, honestly, some of the best terrain between the Rockies and Appalachians. Right. And so, you know, and our rivers are, which there's no, there's no doubt that we'll be including some of our rivers in April. Right. It's just a special the rivers are in my mind, the, the life of the Ozarks in, especially in the springtime. And, um, but yeah, overall, I, I think that it's just made for a race like this. It really is in so many ways that all these different places are connected by these water systems and by these long networks of trail systems. A lot of people don't know some of the incredibly long trail systems that we have in this region. Um, so it really is made for that kind of showcase of everything you have here. And there's so many different ways to explore um, in so many different ways in that same exact region. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, you made a mention about it. It's going to be a fast paced race. I mean, we have print, we have primo gravel here I mean, the gravel biking scene is just incredible. And so between that and extremely well manicured, flowy single track and some really amazing, fast moving rivers um, in, in the month of April, we're going to have a really fun, fast race for people. That's going to keep us keep everybody um, moving, no doubt, all the time. 
So Jason, let me bring this next question over to you. Having raced with Kuat, never been in a variety of races. And I always have sympathy for race directors who come on the dark zone to talk about their races before they happen. Because as we know, the race course itself is not disclosed until the race actually starts. So there's always that sense yes. of minor panic on behalf of a race director that they're terrified they're going to say something and give something away in the course of the race. Um, and if oh, you yeah. did, it would never make it into the final edit. So listeners at home, tough luck. But let, let me turn to you, Jason, and, and ask you this. As someone who has raced with Kuwait and has raced specifically in, in many other parts of the of the country and even parts of the world, if someone wanted to get ready for Expedition Ozark, right, if they wanted to prep themselves for have a really, really strong experience, what recommendations would you make for somebody at home right now? It's December. The race is in April. The clock, you know, ticks pretty quickly as you get to the race. What should people be doing right now for a good experience? Oh, you know, um, uh, I, I would I would look at the terrain and see, you know, are we flat? Do we have hills? Um, and that would help to dictate um, how they're going to be training. Um, so, you know, there's there will be a lot of a lot of fast movements, uh, a lot of up and down. Um, and and so, yeah, I would be sure to have my my hill training um, in place. Very nice. That's a good way to say something without actually saying it. So good job there, right? Be prepared to go Thank up you. and to go down. Very nice. Well done. <laughs> the, the race directors around the world are now nodding their head approvingly at the podcast. So good job that you did that. So, so Danny, coming back to you. Um, if teams are, are coming into the race and the teams, you've had a good registration so far, logistically speaking, how does it work? How do you get into Bentonville? What is the, what does the travel look like? Yeah. You know, I mean, from domestic, we, we are, we're situated really central, like almost dead center of the United States. So, so from a uh, traveling NDA vehicle, we are pretty convenient located for a lot of, especially these kind of Midwestern teams, um, but either also, especially from that Northeast, um, you know, side of the United States, uh, flying in XNA, uh, is a, it's a smaller airport, but it does. Um, I don't think anybody would be able to look up Bentonville, not understand that we are the home of Walmart. And so one of the advantages of that beyond a lot of the money that they're actually flowing into being able to kind of put into these trail systems and that kind of thing is also, um, our airport has an unbelievable amount of direct flights, which is really a huge advantage. Um, and so, but yeah, right in the airport's about 25 minutes. We're going to handle pickup for anybody that wants to fly in and you won't need a vehicle at all. Um, our accommodations are going to be extremely well located for, uh, ability to go get what you need before and then to have the time you want to afterwards. And we'll help with the, the support to get you to and from the airport. Um, I think we're about five hours of a flight from Dallas too. So there are some teams I think that are choosing, um, to just fly in directly to Dallas and then, then, uh, you know, taking a vehicle from there, but yeah, yeah. O overall relatively, it seems like the Midwest is, is, uh, somewhat daunting to get to these small towns, but we are a, we're a very accessible location, um, for so many different reasons. And so adventure racers always expected to bring their mountain bikes with them, right? Bring your own bike. And I'm sure you could source one local, but we like our own bike. In terms of watercraft, is it a packraft-based race? Do they, or will, they, will you be using kayaks? Like what, what should they be prepared for when it comes to the water sections? Yeah, we're doing packraft for the majority of the race. There, there will be um, one other portion of the race that will have something else. <laughs> um, <laughs> but packraft, and one of the main reasons for that, it's not that we're looking to um, to have, the, the only reason we're looking to is because there's some really, really amazing river systems that if we could connect outside of those very obvious public uh, put-ins and takeouts, that it just makes for a way more unique experience. And so so it's, it's more for just creating that incredibly unique and um just almost inspirational flow of the race and that's the main reason we're going with the pack raft system the fact that a pack raft can go into the water anywhere and not at a put in and not on a dock that traveling across terrain and, and eric Calvala, to his credit did the eastern mountain wilderness challenge this past year up in the adirondacks and they use pack rafts extensively i think what you're touching upon is the idea that regardless of the water you could access it from anywhere you want with a pack raft. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, river systems like ours, especially are going to allow for very, like you said, unique points to put in, take out. Um, and then also the, the options of, of 
of potential portages, right? And so being really creative from a strategy, something that Jason and I talk about a lot is that we want this race at all times to have multiple options. And that's what our terrain and land allows for. And a part of that is, um, is that that pack raft plays, plays a big role of, of into the potential strategy options. So that's actually an, an interesting point that you bring up when it comes to course design and, and you're not giving any way any state secrets. There are some races that the race starts here, right? A, and then the racers seem to have a drag race through the terrain and they get to B, C, D, and eventually they get to the finish line, right? That's the way the race works. It sounds like what you're saying is, is that based upon what you have, and I want to come back to the water in a second, because I'm curious about lakes versus rivers versus streams. What you're saying is that based upon the train that you have, the packraft is a mode of transportation and all of the travel options you have there with the by foot and by, by bike, that teams will have to make strategic on-course decisions during the race when it comes to what they have to, to get. Am I, am I hearing that correctly? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're going to be strategic decisions on, on everything from, um, the paddle, the trek, um, the bike. Yeah. The route they can take, um, will be very variable. And, um, as I'm kind of putting points out there, I, I, I see it and try it out smile and think, okay, I wonder what's going to, I'd like <laughs> to see the dot, one, you know? Um, so it'll be fun to kind of look back and see what route each team took you know, to get, to get to their checkpoints. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think at endless mountains, one thing we noticed that during the Quahana wild forest part, the fact that teams could choose the direction they wanted to travel added a really a sense of speed to the race where it wasn't like one race, one team was in the front and the other team just had to run them down. There was a lot of strategic decisions there. Um, mm -hmm. Clearly as you move through the separate stages, you're going to touch upon foot, bike, water, You've mentioned the fact that you mentioned the caves on Instagram and we'll definitely mention your Instagram handle. Um, not the tight, scary caves. I, I, on behalf of adventure racers, I thank you for that. Those are fun, but they're not fun. The, the terrain, the, the water terrain, basically what is in and around Bentonville and you're not giving any part of the course away. Do we see the wide flowing rivers that we're going to see? Do we see different classes of water? Do you see lakes? Like, like what are, if someone were to look at a map of Bentonville right now, right? Cause that's what every team does. They, they go to the Google maps, they go to Google earth and they begin guessing what's around. If somebody were to look at a map of Bentonville, what kind of water would they say? Yeah, I think you're gonna, I, I don't think it'd be a secret for anybody. on if you look at a map and which, which general direction we're probably going to be, you know, leading racers definitely. And that, that makes sense in a lot of ways. Um, the great, I think honestly, and I said this earlier, um, springtime in the Ozarks is, is the lifeblood is our, our moving water systems. You know, we have such an incredible everything from, you know, one of the very, and I'm not giving anything away. It may or may not be included all of these truly. Um, but you know, from the first ever national river is, is, you know, a very short distance, an hour drive from uh, Bentonville. We have four or five other rivers that I can name on the top of my head that are just incredibly um, um, flowy in, in the springtime, right? It's super rain dependent. Then we also have a couple larger river systems. Um, and then we also have some that are that are kind of turned into that man-made um, uh, lakes, right? And so we have lots of different small lakes to big lake systems that have been dammed um that are all in play as well as um you know everything they could be i mean there are there are some rivers that that hit class three on a very regular basis in springtime right and that's why april is is the time to have an adventure race in in uh, northwest arkansas yeah that's great and, and so clearly the teams have to get their their paddles in their hands and get their boats underneath them to figure that out because once again, no state secrets. You, you've mentioned the fact that there there will be some moving water over the course of the race. But to be there, are you expecting? Are you asking for any special certifications for the race, like wilderness first aid, any rope certifications, any of that? Yeah, I'll t I mean, we are going to make a more public announcement about right now. We had talked about a wilderness first aid as being a mandatory certification, but we're actually going to lower that down to a CPR certification for an incredible amount of reasons. Again, that's one of those that we we learned a lot from a lot of other race directors. Um, also, kind of when we started to really delve into the safety report and our safety plan. And then also just hearing feedback from um, interested and already registered teams. Um, so we'll have a, a CPR requirement um, for for the teamers, but the 
the the the old requirement of the wilderness phrase first aid is actually going to um, uh, not be not be a thing anymore. Gotcha. What's it like in terms of how um, how remote does the does the train get down there? Will they be? We we did a race one time, Untamed New England, where Grant Killian basically said, you know, if your your safety bearing is south and walk that way for two days. But that's what he basically <laughs> said during the race, which was, was, was terrifying when he said it. Um, how remote is the train down there? It's rather remote. Um, there are some some areas that are, are, are more remote than others. Uh, we have a very good safety team involved. Um, they're working through the all the avenues of, of assistance that may be needed. Um, so that's one of the great things that the team that we have that's that's working together to to allow those remote access or those remote locations to be accessible. What does the safety team's role look like in December as you get closer to the race? What are the expectations do you have for them right now? Yeah, it's really well, exciting. I, think, I mean, I think that's something that a lot of people don't know. Um, or w- Jason and I going into this as, you know, relatively new on the design based design side of things, we have surrounded ourselves very intentionally and just so very lucky with we have a forum. Um, we also have a safety team. And so we had a lot of people that come from an incredible amount of experience that are that are participating in this whole um, undertaking alongside us. And but yeah, the the safety team itself is we have two, three specific individuals. One of them is is literally only focused on our water um, safety in April. Again, that's one of our biggest what ifs on that plan D, plan C, plan D and, you know, EFG. Um and then as well as as um, that remote access that Jason was talking about a little bit earlier is, um, you know, we we have there it's we're crossing a lot. And I know every expedition level does, um, but we are crossing an incredible amount of different counties to incredible different um, AKA groups that would be the ones that would be directed if something were to go on. So we're take, trying to take a lot of that control in ourselves and have that be um more or less, you might think of it as a private system instead of relying on some of these other systems, especially because we're crossing through so many different territories. Gotcha, gotcha. So to your point there, there always is the 911 option, which is the first buttons you should hit, right? If something were to happen, break open that phone and call 911. But on top of that, right. it sounds like you're entering a layer of of protection being offered by the race organization itself. So so Jason, Correct. what's the weather going to be like in April? What's the, what's the variability there? Oh. Wow, so variable. Um, it's going to be sunny. And perfect, perfect temps. Of course, it always is. <laughs> and it won't rain and it'll be Every sunny time. and 70 the entire time. <laughs> That's right. It can be variable. Um, it can be a little chilly. It can be warm. Um, we can have rain or it could be dry. Um, you know, and it's just, it, we just have to be prepared for everything that could potentially happen uh, from a weather standpoint. Um I've always liked the first of April, though. I've always felt like that's a good time of year um, in this area. Um, always, you know, fun things to do outside and, and don't have to worry too much about the weather. Gotcha. At nighttime at elevation, what do, well, what could it drop down as low as? Oh, I mean, it might get down into the forties, lower forties, perhaps. Um, and you know, in the daytime, it could get up in the eighties. Okay. So, um, so typical adventure racing, prep yourself for that 40 degree swing, right? Like you may need to puffy at right. night when you're out there, especially if you're, you know, thermal control, thermal regulation, the big word, right? And if you're out there and if you're right. pouring sweat and it's 40 degrees and you stop moving, you get cold pretty quick, right? You don't feel like it's 40 degrees. Very quick. Yeah, one yes. huge advantage that we have is is uh, we are going to experience a full moon, um, which That's is cool. going to be extremely advantageous from so many different levels. And then, but yeah, and then it's also almost, it's almost exactly 12 hours sunlight, right? It's almost seven to seven when it comes to sunrise, sunset, which are, you know, it's, it, but yeah, it, it really, I, I think the, the potential fluctuation everybody needs to be able to plan for and be ready for is potentially intimidating, but there are other advantages of that time. It is before we start to get extreme blooms. And so they, therefore your visibility is really, really great. It's, um, you know, you're not going to have overgrowth and extreme vegetation that's quite, um, you know, starting to build up yet for our off-trail trekking sections. Um, right. 
you also got that you're going to start to see some of what is the most special thing beyond again that moving water that's the lifeblood and that's one of the most special things about why we're choosing this time of year but it's also you start to get the dogwoods and the red buds and stuff it's that is an exceptionally beautiful time where water brings the ozarks to life in in early april and it sounds like it's that cusp between late like winter late spring going into the summer so to your point it's not like you're there in july and august when the undergrowth is strong and the brush is thick so there'll be a lot of ability to see um and also with temperature swings like that the bug situation might be minimal right how, how bad it gets so it's, it sounds like you really it sounds like you very were thoughtful about picking the april date that you wanted that that was the date that you were shooting for to bring the race on board did you consider any other times of the year we, uh, you know, I mean, we definitely, we, we have a very, very strong relationship with Britt Abbey and, and Jason and Chelsea and want this wanted our date to make sense with the other North American races for sure in so many ways. And so that's vital to us as an organization is that we want this to be nothing but an addition to the sport in general in North America. And so that was one of the very first things, um, Besides that, it was pretty mandatory, and at least in my mind, at least for the first year and probably as many as we possibly can moving forward to be in the springtime. Um, paddling is is very important for lots of reasons for it to be spring. Um, and yeah, you know, there are some areas that we wanted to incorporate that would be just kind of brutal in June and July with 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 growth and um, not places that I think we'd want to bring people at least in the same capacity that we're confident bringing them in early April. So it was pretty much the first choice to be in that, you know, early, that kind of like late winter, early spring moment. Right. Yeah, month of April is great. Right. Because because March, it gets a lot colder. March could be 30s at night which changes oh, yeah. everything. And if you go into right. to May and June, you're running into springtime, right? And then obviously, you know, we have a, we have a, and in, in, in the event racing community lately, we have an excess of riches, right? We have Expedition Oregon is taking a year off. You know, Jason and Chelsea are still doing nine other races, right? So Bend Racing is rolling on. Expedition Canada with Natalie Long, great race. Endless Mountains is back for round two, Brent Navi. We just had a race come on board, um, La, La, La Ruta de Madre, down in uh, Mexico's coming. I think that's November that's coming on. And so we're, we're having this growth. There's a race in Poland just came on. Like there's there's a lot of five-day races that are growing up around the world. And credit to Heidi at ARWS for really sowing the seeds for all of these. And so you're right. You had to you had to thread the needle between the calendar, what the calendar could endure, and you had to thread the needle with the weather. Um, and so that's so well, good on you guys for, for doing that. Um, you mentioned that you, you cross a lot of different lines in terms of the, the forest you use. How has the permitting been like? What's it been like to work with the various local authorities and getting all of the necessary permissions, private land, public land? How challenging have you found that to be? I'll talk that one because that's been mostly in my core um, for many different reasons. I One advantage of, of owning a guiding service um, is that I already have some pretty structured relationships with almost every entity that we we work with. Um, I think like the headaches of, of just about any race of this capacity and any race director would attest to it's when you cross a lot, it's, you've got to deal with a lot and not all of them work in the same manner. That's one of the most frustrating things is that everyone is a different relationship. Um, but overall, Northwest Arkansas and Arkansas in general is just been fully on board with taking outdoor recreation as a extremely high priority. And so we're seeing that in this race and seeing that everybody has this, how can we help mentality, um, you know, I mean, everything from the national forest to the state parks um, is or just been incredible to work with, even outside of just when we're on their land, if that makes sense, how they promote. Sure. Um, that's one of the most special things about where we live um, and why I love Northwest Arkansas, unlike any other place I've ever been or lived, is that that kind of everybody is around. This is our thing and this is what we want to be known for. And so that that trickles into um, into things like having great relationships and just figuring things out such as permitting. And on top of that, when you bring an international race into a community, the community realizes that it's, it's the, they're introducing themselves to the rest of the world and therefore they want to be good neighbors. and They want to put that on. So it sounds like the, the permitting process has worked out pretty smoothly. Any private landowners or is it mostly traveling through public lands? Lots of private, lots of private landowners too. Here we have, um, uh, some some really really great exciting places that that are 
privately owned as well. Um, from some of the bigger landowners in the area to some of the uh, adventure outfitter groups that that exist and have existed for hundreds of years here, um, literally. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, you're going to be crossing through both. There's very, we've been very lucky that there's not going to be a whole lot of X's on our on our maps. That's for sure. Who's doing your tracking, by the way? Who's taking care of that for you? Mark Harris. We- yeah. Mark Harris, Mark adventure enablers. Mm-hmm. And yep. what's, what and what's your media plan look like? Are you going to have, are you doing updates? Are you going to do, have a drone on the course? Are you bringing somebody in to do a daily? Like the the ability for adventure race fans to dot watch at home is evolving over time. I don't know if you saw the recent race they had in New Zealand where they actually had the those amazing 3D maps of the race course. Really something mm-hmm. else. You're probably not there yet. That technology has not caught up to it here. For the person who's at home who's an adventure racing fan, what will the off-site experience look like from a media perspective? Yeah, we've got top-notch groups, um, you know, both local and um, Rob Howard is 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 um, part of one of our kind of te- core team, right, from the very get-go. Um, so, so we're going to have his experience on the, on that side in so many ways and kind of giving updates um, alongside the race yeah, from that perspective. We also will definitely, of course, have, you know, with, with the adventure enablers, the, the, the live dot watching is going to be a big part of our, and we're going to do something that I think is incredibly special is, and again, when I go, I go back, I just keep boasting about the special place that, that I live in, in Bentonville in Northwest Arkansas, but we have an amazing community of people that just love to get involved with any sport of any type of sport, right? Outdoor recreation is everything. And so we have some really cool plans for physical um, gatherings that will play a role in that kind of dot watching mentality, not just at the beginning and the end of the race, but actually every single day during the race. So that's going to be kind of create that buzz. And I think that's one thing that a lot of racers are going to feel that is just really special about this race is just how much this community is involved and how they're going to love to just let loose with them at the end of the race on that during our big festival, we're going to have at the end to celebrate them. I had this vision of there being like one of those blow up screens in the middle of town and the dot and the course is projected up on that screen, like for five straight days and people could walk by and they could see who's there, who's there. And, you know, that's a free idea. Feel free to go with it. I won't charge you for that. World Cup watch parties, those kind of gathering spaces that are going to be live dot watching with commentary and kind of a daily recap that are both broadcasted live to the world, but also if you're here in Northwest Arkansas, um, you got a little community to kind of get updates and cheer everybody on with. So yeah, I'm I'm not stealing your idea, but that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah, the dark zone's free for the world. Take what you want and leave the rest behind. <laughs> Very good. You know you you you've uh, you've talked about the two of you working as a, as partners on this right and and jason bringing all the experience you have with the racing you've done over the years the adventure racing you've done and, and danny with your your adventuring and your outdoor guiding and all of that and just as adventure racing for adventure racers is the process of growing as a racer it's a process of growing as a race director when you decided to take this on as, as an undertaking and now you hear, and I heard about it in April, right? I, April, May, or maybe in June might've been, it was announced, right? April, May, June was that it came alive. And now it's December and the race is this April. So it's a, it's a year long process. What is different now in your perception of how the race should be prepared for versus what you thought it was going to be like six, seven months ago? What's been your primary learning so far? I think that as a team, we've done very well. I think that we have um, had challenges, encountered things to to improve upon, and we've done that. Um, I like the course. I think it's set nice. Um, I think it will work well for the strongest athletes that are going to be there, as well as work well for the new expedition racers that are coming. Um, and so I think it's, it's a, a well-thought-out plan that we've all worked on very hard and had great success in, in planning it. Yeah, I mean, I think my 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 just complete focuses and and um, something that I think was obvious of the need, but didn't know to what capacity until you really start getting into the logistics and details is that that plan B, C, D. And I keep I keep kind of mentioning that, but that the what ifs, especially this time of year in the Ozarks, is is there's a lot of different reasons why, especially related to water, that we might have to have issues uh, or kind of 
backup plans when it comes to, um, to, to the weather solutions and stuff. So, but other than that, I mean, I, I think we're, again, I, I definitely, Jason and I have never been scared to ask questions to get advice from the community or local racers or just even other event organizers. Right. And so that community has been exceptional and, um, um, Very helpful. yeah, but overall, I, I really think it's just that, you don't even understand the, the the levels of stress as a race director. Everybody can relate to it. Is is that kind of Plan B, that backup, that those what if scenarios? Which I, which I think is an I think adventure racers who become adventure race directors, I think it's I think they like that because they get to tap into the same excitement during a race, but on a much bigger scale. Because I will mm-hmm. give you a Gaten's guarantee. Write this down. It's it's now five ten p.m. Right. on Friday, December sixteenth. Remember this. At some point during the race, the two of you are going to be like, what are we going to do? Like a road's going to be shut down. A team is going to ride off the map and you're going to have to figure it out while the race is going on. And guess what? That's welcome to adventure race directing, right? That's what happens. And that's cool because that's everybody who does that has to go through like that. And and I think that that's, it's, it's a great experience and, and we're going to get you folks on not soon after the race ends. So you could do a bit of a decompression. We'll call it a therapy session in regards to how the race went for the two of you. We're assuming you'll still be talking. I like your odds. <laughs> you mentioned the teams that are coming out. I saw that Viterade is joining you for the race. I think that was announced this week. Yeah, I think we can announce. I mean, we're, we are at 30 teams, which is really, really exciting. We're going to post a team list. Actually, it should be. It should have been today, right? so when, but by the time that people hear this, it should be posted on the website. So, gotcha. And but, so you have thirty uh, teams now. What's your upper limit? How many more could you take on? You know, we have said we're we're in between thirty five and forty. To be honest, so we're closer to to kind of capacity than we really really than we realized. Um, um, that's something that we just have set as a goal to hit that 35 um and then we had talked about a cap of 40 um but that's that's the general consistency just for safety and so um for that kind of for our first year is that's number that we think we can definitely handle but don't want to push any anything to the extremes but we are incredibly excited about the team list on everything from the amount of complete newbie type of uh, expedition level teams to uh, our podium is going to be exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm, that is something that I'm very excited for is our, our, the, the race for the podium. Well, that was one of my questions with the, was the breadth of the field. And it sounds like you have people who are walking into their, their first five day race. And if anybody wants to listen to an older episode, David Webster of team ACDCAR did Iterra and he just, it was his first race ever and it was a five day race and off he went. Right. So there are teams that just, God bless them, dive into it. And there are teams that have tens if hundreds of races behind them going into it. And so are you finding that there's a, there's a breadth across the entire field? No, I mean, there are people that I've raced with for years um, that, you know, are, are do they do well. And then there are those that, that want to do better, um, but they're all very, very good friends. I love them. Some of my best friends are adventure racers. Um, and so some of the newbies that are coming um, are new, well, newbie to expedition racing, not newbie to adventure racing. Um, so I'm excited for them. Um, and um, of course, very excited for the top top teams that are coming. Obviously, a lot of teams are starting to sign up, starting to arrive as you get to know them. And let's be honest, you're going to become their dads for the five days they're there, right? You're in charge of them. They're feeding, they're caring you will be the ones who will nurse them to the finish line sometimes. Like we talked about before. Tell us a bit about some of the more unique teams that are coming out. Yeah. I mean, Um, yeah, go ahead, Jason. No, there are some, there's some local teams that are new to the expedition scene. And, um, I am excited to see them come. Um, orange leader Hosen is, is one of the local Midwestern teams that's coming. Um, and there's some, another team in the St. Louis area that we, Danny and I saw at the Castlewood Adventure Race uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I kept giving them Expedition Ozark flyers, you know, um, <laughs> one of them really wants to go and wants to come, but the other one's like, eh, I don't know. So I'm hoping that they come because they're a very, very good team. So, yeah. And these are people Yeah, we'll who, have to give it. They're, they're just diving right. It sounds like it's like Orange Lederhosen. Right. Sounds like a yes. they sounds like a savage team to go get them. They're new, they're new to five day racing. 
they're going to be, yeah, this will be their first expedition race. Um, and so I'm excited for them and yes. Yeah. We have a team also that's a uh, team natural state, which is something that if you guys follow us on social media, you'll probably be able to see a lot about them, but a very um, exciting group that this is their actually their first, this was their first ever expedition race. When they signed up for this, they have never done a adventure race at all before. They're all different forms of athletes, but um, they're, they're doing a few short course now, short races now to kind of prepare. But um, I know everybody on that team personally, they've all come together with some form of, of past history, either family or personally dealing with addiction and have come together for that, that, um, that reason and kind of using the power of outdoor recreation and, um, adventure sports in general to kind of be one way to kind of combat that situation and kind of racing in the spirit of bringing attention to that. And so extremely excited for them. We've been helping advice for them and they actually have a coach that's kind of helping them out and, um, very, very exciting group, but that's the kind of stuff that makes this race very excited for. I mean, that, that's the stuff that, that is getting me just incredibly excited for April is hearing stuff like that and just being able to see the diverse. And then, like I said, I, I mean, our podium is going to be incredible. I'm, that is something that I was a little bit unsure what that's going to look like when we first started this whole journey a year ago, but there's no doubt that it's going to be a super competitive podium. But, but isn't that, that's the great thing about adventure racing, right? Like, like you're going to 30, 30 teams, 35 teams, 40 teams, whatever it is. You have the orange leader hose and you have team natural state in there. Dramatic, very powerful story and, and, and credit to them for as they manage their addiction issues. And the fact that they're using adventure racing as a venue to sort of address that and talk about that, that alongside them is going to be some of the best adventure race teams in the world. Right. And you're going to shoot that gun off, right. Bang. And they're going to leave. And every single one of those human beings is going to have complete access to that same experience. And once they leave there, it's up to them to figure it out. But right. regardless, they're still going to have the opportunity to do the best they can with what they have. And that's the real beauty of adventure racing, right? The fact that it's, a, it's, it's a testing ground. Go ahead, Jason. No, it is. Absolutely. It's that testing ground, you know, with adventure racing, you, you're going to, you're going to find adversity. There is going to be a day when you're like, oh man, that really hurts. Or maybe I should have eaten more in the past five hours. Um, and so you'll find that adversity and you have to work through it. And so I think that is the beauty, the beauty of adventure racing. It's really, you know, working through it, teamwork, um, everybody helping each other. There's a big component. So we have the leader. Just keep hosing. one foot in the other. Just keep going, right? Just keep moving forward. Yeah. So we got the leader hosing on one hand. We have Team Natural sitting on the other. Anybody else jumping out at you? I'm uh, really excited for uh, Expedition Canada. Natalie, Natalie and her team are coming down. We also have Ben. Um, um, ben Racing is is going to be pro um, present, which is another one of those teams that we're obviously thinking could be up at the top. Um, we'll we'll kind of submit it and we're going to keep doing kind of more secret announcements here uh here as we go but incredibly uh, excited to say as of now we have eight different countries that we represent at a race which is and very exciting thing for us is is yeah eight different countries we had a goal of we broke into three different demographic groups um you know and the, the class one class two class three individual or teams right and um our goal was to be evenly distributed between all three of those and we are we're really right at that it's i'm i'm very personally excited for that for so many different reasons and this is i mean the goal of this race literally if there's one goal of mine more than this you know after safety and kind of you know those kind of more obvious things is just to showcase this an unbelievable place that we have in the ozarks it's overlooked in so many ways for lots of obvious reasons, but especially this kind of like post COVID world that we're in with more regional tourism and what we're investing in our trails and our outdoor recreation, our natural spaces here. Um, and that means that we want to have a diverse set of teams across the board. And it's, it's, there are definitely teams on here that are just going to be here to just exceed their own backyard that they've never seen it from this perspective. When you look at America as a country, there's a variety of different places in which races are held, right? We see the Northeast, we see the West, we see Florida, we see parts of Texas. 
And I think what you're saying is that this is a part of the country that for, for various reasons as you, has not really received the attention that it deserves based upon the quality of everything there, the terrain, the water, you know, the, the, the mountain bike trails, the gravel roads. And what you're saying is, is that this casts a big spotlight on a really nice part of the country. It oh, is, sure. yeah. There's nothing like us between the Rockies and the Appalachians. I said that, I always say that, is there really is, I mean, the areas that we're going to be seeing, I, I think, will rival anything you could imagine between the state of Colorado and Tennessee, you know, and and, and, and rival those places themselves. If someone's sitting home right now and if they're if they're on the fence, what, when do you, when are you taking signups until? Up until the day before the race, they could show up and pay their money down on early <laughs> April. But if someone mm-hmm. were to consider, someone listens to this and says, you know something, I'm free in April. I've gone to the website and I and I want to give it a go and I'm going to get a team. When do you want to hear by? What is your what is your upper limit to that? Yeah, we are we are pretty much imagining a closing of reservations on February 15th. OK, so six weeks before the race. Um, but I will be honest, I, I really feel like we're we're going to hit our capacity, um, gotcha. especially with this, this help from you here and this exposure and the amount of teams I'm fielding questions for that are right there about to, you know, you know, to make the choice. Um, and I, I do think we will hit capacity. That's kind of knock on wood situation, but, um, I, I do think that, you know, in the month of February, we're actually will fill if not before. Have you disclosed mm-hmm. yet? And if it's not out there, don't need to say it. How many stages you think the race will be? Or is that still a state secret? Such a secret. Okay. Okay. Have you disclosed? Well, that's we want to be fair to the racers. Have you disclosed? You know, obviously, adventure racing has has three main disciplines, right? There's a water based discipline. There's there's a bike of some sort, mountain bike usually, and there's trekking of some mm-hmm. sort. Have you disclosed any additional disciplines that racers should expect? We will have a we will have a a ropes section. There will be no certifications needed for that or any proof. Um, and it will, uh, it, it will be, it'll truly, it'll be manned. I, I think we can disclose that it'll be, it'll be a safety. It's not a safety concern. Um, and we will have what we would be considering a, um, a caving section. But again, as you alluded to at the beginning, it is a, uh, it and maybe two both situations are incredibly fun situations and environments versus uh, uh, incredibly tight spaces type of mentality. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a, the, it's amazing how for many adventure racers, present company included, um, caving is the one thing that, that keeps many of us awake at night thinking about races we're going to have to do. Jason, tossing it back over to you a little bit with a, the, the breadth of your race experience and, and the things that you've done over the years. What, what are you going to say to a team day two and a half? They're newer to the sport. They're nuked, right? They've been awake for 40 hours and they're they're struggling. What is your in-transition pep talk going to be to them? I'm going to tell them that they're doing a great job, um, that they probably need to eat and they probably need a nap. Um, and get to get some rest, get some food and regroup um, and make your plan on how you're going to move forward and what things you guys need to accomplish um, to get to the next, the next uh, checkpoint, the next transition area. Um, encouragement, um, communication, um, the team working together is, is a big component to all of it. Um, and so of course, you know, we want to grow the sport. We want more people adventure racing. It's a, it's a wonderful sport. It's something I love. Um, I've a lot of enjoyment out of it over the years and I want to pass that on to, to others. And, and Danny, as someone who has AR experience and a fair amount of it, but as someone who also has worked in guide services, things like that. When, when groups, when teams, when they come together and when they fall apart, what's usually the dynamic that drives that? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, and it's, I mean, you're right. It definitely translates to guiding and adventure racing in so many ways is just kind of being very, uh, before the race even starts, being incredibly transparent and communicative of your expectations as a team and individually so that you're going in knowing what that looks like. And the best way to put it is that Every there's absolutely no way that a team of four is going to have four people at their low at the same time or their high at the same time. And I think that's one of the most special things about adventure racing in general. And I think that's why a lot of I love guided group experiences is because it's about that community. It's about that that social component to it that you're do, doing this together. Um, and then you, you just have that desire to not let down anybody, right? You're part of this this kind of unit that's going to help each other out through it. But 
I think overall, if I were to give one piece of advice is just go in with those same expectations. And we always talk about it, um, especially for this race is you're a completer, you're a completer, you're a competitor, or you're a racer, right? And those three different mentalities are incredibly different expectations um, when it comes to when you're hitting your lows as a team and just to, um, but help each other out because you're going to need, I think this is one of the most special things is that like a, a, you know, even a hundred mile gravel ride, which is still popular in here is there might be some people that aren't going to hit a low and something like that, but over five days, you're going to hit a low and you're going to need your team to take care of you. So you do, uh, you do the reverse of that. And that's something that Jason does exceptionally well. And so something I've got to learn from is, you know, he's brought me to where I am in this sport is just being open and communicating and at the end of the day, it's just about having an amazing time. And over five days, your your kind of short little setbacks are not as big of a deal over a five day race. Gotcha, gotcha. If somebody wanted to find Exhibition Ozark on the internets, where would they look? What are your What are your all of your handles? What are all the socials? Where Where, where are you located? We're at expeditionozark.com. Um, I think we have a very very strong presence on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, um, but yeah, expeditionozark.com should be most of, most of the information there. And then if you email, contact us through Facebook message, email through the website, the contact forms on the website, you're going to, you're going to get me and thank you to everybody in advance and everybody in the future that that is, um, been incredibly patient with my response time. I'm trying to get to them as much as you can, but, um, yeah, overall, it's it's uh, check out. We try to post on Facebook a lot and Instagram as well to kind of give a little bit of just just pictures about the environment that we have here. Because, again, I think when you hear, like you said, Florida or you hear Bend, Oregon, the general population knows more about what those two uh, you know geographies are all about. Right. And those landscapes are all about. Um, so. A lot of people might not know the amount of caves that we have here. It would be absolutely incredible for me to ever conceive of a, an adventure race in the Ozarks that doesn't have caving just because of how many caves we have here. And that's what we're one of the main things we're known for. Um, I'm going to speak once again for the beginner here. If someone's at home and they're on the fence about this, the you're encouraging them to reach out to you directly to get a sense for the race itself, the sense for just getting some feedback from you, because that very often that individual experience might be the decider for someone they may have very specific questions about like, what if I sign up and what if I, what happens if day three I fall apart and what do we do? Are you available to them for all those explanations? Absolutely. Both of us. I, I'm fielding most of those questions and then Jason and right on to Jason, if they kind of are more on the technical side of things. And so we're, yeah, we, Jason said it best and I'll just kind of mock that is this, this, the entire goal here is to get more people into the sport and showcase what a beautiful place we have. Thank you to Jason and Danny for joining us on The Dark Zone. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to the streaming platform of your choice and leave a review. The best way to spread the word about The Dark Zone is to do exactly that. We're always open to your thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Brian at ARDarkZone.com. Once again, Brian at ARDarkZone.com. Many thanks to the team at Expedition Ozark. Be sure to check them out on all the socials. They did a great job on today's episode. Be sure to think about that race, and if necessary, learn more about it and dive right in.